Hello and welcome to the Points of Brew podcast. It's episode 35 and I'm your host, Stephen Carter. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Hampshire, founder of Leeds Beer Tours, and he is the current standing chairman of the Leeds Camera Branch. Mike and I first got talking through my upcoming submission to their branch magazine, Beer Leeds, and from there I booked onto one of Mike's tours, which we discussed on the show, and we plan to meet up again in the upcoming meeting that they've got at Horsworth Brewery in April. As a fellow member of the British Guild of Beer Writers, Mike is keen to spread the word about great beer and venues across the city of Leeds, which there are many. Like many people in the beer scene, Mike explains how he came from a corporate background and started learning more about beer as a hobby, before turning it into a full-time career. During this episode, we touch on the recent questionnaire run by camera, as they try to be a more welcoming, inclusive and diverse space, and break down some of those long-lasting stigmas that sadly still exist around the organisation. It's an interesting conversation, and it's also interesting to hear that Mike chairs and runs a Leeds branch slightly different to that of the overriding organisation of camera. I hope you enjoy what Mike has to say during the show, and if you fancy booking on one of the tours afterwards, there's a discount code within that Mike has kindly offered for listeners of the podcast, so make sure you don't miss it. Make sure you don't miss that code, and here I am with Mike now. Right, Mike, welcome to the Points of Road podcast. How are you doing today? Are you okay? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. I've got a bit of a bit of a sniffle that's uh, not COVID, thankfully. We're uh, we're having to test given Anna's, Anna's pregnant, but apart from that, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. No, I'm feeling, so. I, I wiped out for a, for about a week and a half a couple of weeks ago, and every day taking a COVID test. It's just become the norm now, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah. like sniffle or cough straight in with the COVID test, all negative as well. It's bizarre. It's I've been sort of expecting to be tripped up by it, having sort of staved off of it for for two years and not having caught it. I keep expecting to get tripped up, sort of like at the final hurdle now of yeah, oh, you've lasted this long. Brutal. Yeah, yeah. yeah but <laughs> thankfully, it's uh, thankfully it's, I've managed to stay stay clear. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. But no, thank you for thank you for joining, Mike. I I appreciate you taking the time out of your out of your day to to jump on and, and bring in the uh, bring in the show forward given I've got a, a maternity appointment with Anna this afternoon but uh, no problem. I appreciate you coming on obviously we uh, we we got speaking through me um, joining camera and reaching out to, to yourself to go on on one of your tours and and get involved a little bit more with, with camera in some respects so we'll we'll touch on that in uh, in in sort of a couple of points later on in in the the podcast but do you want to start by giving as a sort of a brief intro and in terms of how you got into this craft beer world and and how your your journey began into into getting involved with beer yeah absolutely um we'll, we'll say brief but it might not be, it might be a bit longer than yeah. brief doesn't have to be brief um, don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i actually I, I first started drinking ale back just after just after the turn of the 2000s actually um so before then i was like a lager drinker um and the event that actually opened my eyes, funnily enough, was the Leeds Cameras Beer Festival. Okay. Um, they actually held it in a location that was opposite um, where I was working at the time. Um, and so my colleagues at the time said, we'll go across on a Friday, we'll go across on a Friday lunchtime and have a, have a couple of hours, see what you think. And, and that was it, kind of, kind of like, wow, okay, this is, this, is, this is new, this is exciting, this is interesting. Um, and then I think 
from there, the gateway beers started to come in then. So things like Jaipur and enjoying Jaipur. And then it got me more involved thinking about, well, actually, what is the process of making beer? Who are the people that are supporting, that are supporting the industry? Why should I be interested as a consumer? And it started really making me ask questions about, about the industry mm-hmm. and wanting to get a little bit more involved. Um, so actually, the first time I got involved um, was around 2012, 2013. And I actually had a first stint involved with Leeds Camera. Um, so I first of all went in there as the as the membership secretary. And, and, the, and the reason actually I wanted to get involved with that was, I was, as an outsider looking in, I was growing increasingly frustrated by what Camera was doing and what Camera stood for. Yeah. And I wanted to go to a Leeds Camera meeting just to, just to really understand what the grassroots were, were doing mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a campaigning group. And... I did that, and to be honest, I was quite surprised. Um, Leeds, Leeds were what I would have called a progressive branch at the time, or certainly developing into a progressive grant branch. You know, there's still a stigma about socks and sandals and stuff like that, um, and there certainly was at that time. So I got I got involved more with with branch, and eventually got elected as, as chairman first time round. Um, and after two years of again trying carry on progressing the branch you know we evolved the beer festival um i evolved branch events you know we started looking at for pub awards we stopped looking at just the traditional venues we started looking at craft beer venues um probably the peak at the time and i don't know Brewdog's a bit of an interesting topic now, but at peak at the time, we actually hosted a branch meeting in Brewdog um, in Leeds. And I thought that's actually, that showcases how much branch has evolved over Mm. over the last last few years. And then I got, I I, I fell down the trap of getting increasingly frustrated with what camera as a a whole was doing. Um, You know, in terms of their policies, the things that were coming in at National Air Gems around views on craft beer versus real ale and things like that. Um, and I, I kind of decided enough's enough. Um, I'm going to step away from Leeds Camera because I can feel I can do more to support the industry by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stepped away from Camera. Um, I'm sure if you can go back in my Twitter history, I did throw my toys out of the pram a little bit around <laughs> that time. Um, I did write an extensive blog as to why it was that I was stepping away. Very clear that it wasn't Leeds Camera that was a problem. Mm. It was just Camera as a, as a as whole. A whole. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um and then I started to think about what are the other ways that I could I could get involved. I'd, I'd had some experience running uh, or helping to run Leeds Cameras Beer Festival at that point. And I thought, well, I go to a lot of beer festivals and actually the epiphany was a craft beer calling in Newcastle mm-hmm. um, in 2000, 2017. And I'm, I'm sat in that room and I'm looking around at all the brewers that are around me. And we've got Cloud Auto, we've got Tiny Rebel, um, we've got Hawk's Head. And I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking... These are the exact same brewers that I'm seeing at every single beer festival, no matter where it is that I'm going. And I'm not saying that they're bad brewers, but mm. it's like I can go to Newcastle, I can go to Liverpool, I can go to Manchester, and it is just the same subset of what I would call hype brewers that, yeah. that have been promoted at these festivals. How about I run a festival that that books that trend? Um, and so a festival of brewers was born. Um, and the idea behind that was a festival that I organised that was showcasing eight small independent breweries that none of them were hype. Certainly at the time, none of them were hype. Um, and it were all about giving them a spotlight where they weren't overshadowed by the bigger names. Mm. Um, and around that in 2018 and 2019. And, and after, the, after the 2018 one, um, it kind of made me realise how all these small independent brewers were 
really struggling to, to, to you know, to get stuff done. Yeah. I think we all know that, that brewing is quite a high cost business to get involved in. So you generally find with small independent brewers like the ones I hosted, it was either one or two people that were doing everything for the brewery. Yeah. And I thought, well, while these people can't necessarily afford another employee, maybe I can offer some contracting services to help out. Um, so in 2018, I, I boldly handed in my notice on my 15-year career as an IT professional um, with no plans other than I just wanted to work in the industry and support <laughs> and support and support local breweries. It's a bold move, like you say. It's a very brave it move. It is a bold move. It is a bold move. So I took the plunge and, uh, and I originally started out as, as wanting to work on a consultancy basis, um, like offering admin backroom activities you know to support what naturally happened is because i used to work in it people assumed that i could build websites mm. so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it naturally evolved for the first couple of months i was actually producing websites for um for some of the small individuals some of which is still being used today which was which was brilliant um and then around that time as well i started to um operate as a tour guide um, for a company called UK Brewery Tours. Mm. Uh, they basically offer a craft beer experience along across cities across the across the UK. And they look for local guides um, one Saturday a month just to take a group of people around, around the city centre. And I managed to get involved in that. Um, and the more that it, it's a bit of a, it's a good experience, um, but it's what I would call a lift and shift experience. So it's, it's about a craft it's craft beer, but it could be anywhere. There were nothing, there were mm. no real leads till on it. We were going to some leads venues, but there were no real information about leads or history about leads or yeah. anything like that. It was just this is a craft beer brewery and this is what we're going to enjoy in here. This yeah, is the yeah. process, blah, blah. Um and so and so I started I started to do my own research and I started to put my own spin on the tours, a little bit of focus on on the history and heritage, um, talking a bit more about you know the leads culture of of, of craft beer. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I'm thinking, why am I doing this for someone else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting in a lot of effort. I'm putting in a lot of effort and, and I'm just getting paid to do the guiding. I'm not getting paid to do any of the any of the additional work. So I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own, I'm gonna start my own tour business. Um and and yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of spread from there. Um this were all pre-pandemic. Um, at that time, I was also running, uh, helping to run a pub, a pub called the Rose and Crown in Sunbridge Wells in Bradford City Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of took up most of my time. So at that point, tours were, were pretty much ad hoc, maybe once a month. But the main thing of my business was was running this pub. Um, and then 2020 came and everything completely changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I came out of the came out of the haze of the pandemic. And the only thing that was left standing, left standing was the tours. Um, mm. So I kind of thought, okay, this is it now, full time on the tours. Forget everything else that I've done before. Let's just focus on one particular thing, make it a success. Mm. Um, and so that's what I'm doing today. Yeah, and there you go. The, the rest, the rest is history, so they say. But it it's, is. Uh, <laughs> it's it's an interest. It's an interesting journey, though, isn't it? And and how you've you've come and gone with getting involved with different things and and. How just drinking beer and, and much like how, how I've become involved in it, how just yeah. drinking beer becomes more than drinking beer and becomes a passion. And you kind of take those steps to, to learn more about it, to find out about more about it and how you can do more and things. And ultimately why I've got involved with doing this as I have with the podcasts and things and trying to get involved with camera and other other sort of, you know, established places like the the Beer Writers Guild, which you're also a, a member of and yep. just trying to trying to do things where where possible, just even if it's just a small 
step or a small feature or whatever it may be just to point people in the direction of good beer good breweries or somewhere that they might not have tried before and it, it just all adds up and helps because it's it's one of those things that you, you, you kind of see a lot of people sort of talking about beer and you know posting about beers and what drinking and things but there's a lot more that can be done beyond that in terms of doing these sort of things these podcasts and bringing more focus onto things to to actually spread the the good word of what's being done and obviously like the, like you say for, for the tours that you're doing of going to different venues and across lead city center and the different tours that you do it all it all helps to to educate and and bring awareness doesn't it it does i, I mean con- consumer opinion and approach to craft beer is so different to when i first started started drinking real ale in you know in 2001 2002 mm. um you know today people are, i think are a lot more aware of what is going on around them mm-hmm. perhaps a little bit more willing to try something that they wouldn't have done in the past um and you know for people like you and me we're then kind of like the next level and trying to get them engaged with other activities you know mm-hmm. you know the feedback i sometimes you know the feedback i often get on the tour is I didn't realise it was going to be so informative, um, or you know I didn't you know this is this is better than what I was expecting because mm. it's not it's not just about we're going to drink some beer and we're going to talk about some beer, mm. you know what the what the likes of me and you and everyone else in the guild and everybody else in the industry can do is you can actually impart the knowledge that you've got onto onto other people and you know a lot of a lot of people are receptive to that which is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, definitely, and it's not a the one thing that you sort of have to be sort of mindful of is that you're not trying to sort of boast or brag about you sort of how no. knowledgeable you are about it it's just that but like you say a lot of people are receptive to just a small bit of information or just a small peek behind the curtain so to speak of yeah what goes in into making beer and how it's made and the processes and the ingredients and things and certainly from from working at the, the shop at Yorkshire Craft Beers that I do just people just giving them those little bits of information they're like oh I didn't realize that and it's mm-hmm. like I say it's just how it's approached I think that's sort of another job is sort of breaking that stigma like you say of historically of it's almost been gate kept so you know you know it's been yeah. sort of holier than thou attitude of not knowing things and people sort of laughed out of the door about different things and it, it's important yeah. that everyone gets into beer differently and certainly like 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 us you know when you're first starting out you have no idea what you're drinking you haven't you have not got a clue and everyone has nope. to start somewhere <laughs> and it's been open yeah. to sort of put people on the right path to to let them learn and and become part of this world otherwise if if they have a poor experience from the get-go then they're just going to go back to drinking the the rubbish that they were before exactly i think you know for for me when i first started doing this my ethos started out and always has been is keep it simple keep Mm. beer simple you know for when i were when i were in my early early career with beer and I was looking around you know for help and guidance on things like that and I've attended a couple of beer and cider academy courses and they've been really good and you know the guild's been really supportive but a lot of the stuff that is that is done at that level then is quite technical Mm -hmm. um and at that time when I was first getting involved there wasn't really a a, a bridge a bridge that that Mm -hmm. covered that gap really so you're either a bit of a novice getting into the beer world and starting to understand a little bit or you were an absolute expert and you're all about the science and you could blind people and wow people with science but you know for me I want to act as that almost entry level you know I do you know not not busting but I do know a lot so people ask questions I can answer it but also I want to deliver something that's that's easy easy for people to understand and they'll walk away and I can tell their friends about it or or I can tell the family about it yeah well that's it and the, the brewing process is so scientific and 
you know, it's you know, you start talking about biotransformation and all sorts, and you just instantly lose yeah. people and just switch off. And I don't <laughs> understand all that stuff. I know a few key words, but apart from that, it's it's nothing technical, you know. And it's yeah. like you say, but that's how it was up until very recently. Of if you were a yeah. brewer, you knew it, and if you weren't, you didn't. And then you kind of got drip fed, you know, drip fed a little bit about what it was. But that sort of like you say that intermediary between the two is is where we almost comfortably sit now of sort of allowing people to to understand and learn a bit more but um obviously you've alluded to that obviously you do you're doing the um doing the the Leeds beer tours now and obviously you've explained yeah. how you got into that what different tours do you offer in terms of different experiences in and around Leeds and what what do you offer to people so I first started with the with the Leeds Heritage Beer Tour. So um, back in even back to high school I always had an had an interest in in history. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of like fell by the wayside over the last few years, but right up until I, was, I started to do the research for the Heritage Tour and, you know, just doing the odd Google search and what have you and, you know, see what was going on, yeah. access to access to a few books and exploring the history of things like Tetley Brewery, um, who were Leeds' biggest brewery, at, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I just really started starting to uncover. I thought, actually, there's a really interesting story to tell here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Leeds has got a really rich modern brewing scene. We've got 30, beer, we've got 30 breweries today. Mm. But you, you know, we've got places like White Locks Ale House that is over 300 years old. Yeah. Um, we've we had Tetley's Brewery. They they only closed 10 years ago. You know, they only closed 11 years ago. It's not that long ago. Formed in 1822. There's a story to be told there. And I, and I started to build out then what what a tour might look like. Mm. Um, and and the very first starting thing was well, okay, I'm going to start at Tetley and I want to tell the the story of Tetley Brewery. And I want to finish at White Locks and tell the story of of White Locks Ale House. What what on earth do I do in between? Yeah. Um, so then it was picking out three venues that I could add into the tour that had added some historical value. What is it that I can showcase at each particular stop that's going to make people interested? Mm. How how can I make it interactive? Um, and so that's what I did. So so the Leeds Heritage Beer Tour as it is today, we we start out with the Tetley. We we talk about two hundred years of, of Tetley Brewery. Um, we then move on to the, to the Adelphi, which is a couple of um, couple of minutes away from the Tetley, which used to be the tap room for Tetley Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn a little bit about the pub that dates back to the Victorian era. Um, but whilst we're there, I've actually got a documentary video that I show people um, that was recorded. Nice. It's about the brewing process. It was recorded in 1959. That's pretty cool. Um, which is which is amazing. Yeah, mm. people people really really dig that. Um, and then we take we, from Adelphi, we take a bit of a meandering walk around Leeds to centre around to the Duck and Drake. And I call it the scenic route. And the, the reason for the scenic <laughs> route is actually there's, there's quite a lot of um, beer and non-beer heritage to explore mm. um, whilst we're walking around there. Um, and then the Duck and Drake, we'd, we're on Kirkgate then at that point, which is Leeds' oldest street. And with old um, comes stories of... Um, death and prostitution and things like that so you the, know the interesting stuff yeah <laughs> exactly yeah the uh, the stuff that do do whet the appetite for some people um and then we get to move on to the white swan which is which is penultimate venue and and there it's all about you know i use a combination of modern and old maps to to really explore that how that brewing um portfolio has changed in Leeds City Centre over the course of like 250 years mm. and it's, when you actually see it on a map it's, it's, it's really interesting how much it hasn't changed that much yeah. um, you know in terms of where brewers have been located around the city centre how many brewers have been located around in and around the city centre um, and then we finish at White Locks which is I would argue is the jewel in the crown for, mm. for Leeds pubs I'm, I'm sure there'll be some people that disagree with that but for me it's a 
it's an incredible example of Leeds pub heritage. Um, and it does have a rich 300 year history to, to talk about. Um, and the content of the tour evolves. Um, so, that, you know, the stuff that I'm talking about today is different to the first time that I ran the tour. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm always learning new stuff. This, this about three weeks ago, I got access to the um, British Library's newspaper archive. So it's oh, newspapers that have been digitised, that are searchable text. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I'm building out. It's very well documented what happened with White Locks after the White Locks family got hold of it. Mm. Not so well documented between 1715 and 18, 1860. Yeah. Um, so these newspaper archives have helped me to start to build out what that picture looks like. And and hopefully then, well, once I've got, once I've got a, a solid picture, I'm going to feed that into the tour as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's amazing. So, yeah. Um so so that's a flagship tour. That one's that one's won an that one's won an award as well. Um West Yorkshire Independent Tour, I think it was I thought for two for 2019, 2020, 2020. Yeah, won the award in the pandemic. So there was no celebration. There was no uh, <laughs> awards gala or dinner. Um, yeah. <laughs> just well done. Yeah. I've got I've got a nice email signature that I can use and something from the website and um and it petered out after that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then last year, I when the tours restarted full time after after lockdown finished, um, I decided to add a add a craft beer tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas the heritage tour probably takes you up to the point where Tetley's has closed, and we only lightly touch on what's happened after that, um, the craft beer tour then continues the story. So you know what what where have we gone from since Tetley's has closed in Leeds, and it's yeah. we start. Um, we start on nomadic beers in Leeds, where we do a bit of a, a bit of a brewery tour, um, try some of their beers, and then the rest of the day we we, we do Brew York, um, New Brigate, we do Turk's Head, which is the sister bar of White Locks, and we do Friends of Ham, which is one of the pioneering craft beer bars that set up in Leeds in about eight years ago now, nine years ago, and the rest of it is all about an exploring exploration of beer styles. I'll answer questions. I'll tell them a bit of story about the modern history of of, of craft beer. Um, but the main thing is just challenging people's perceptions. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, you know, one of the early questions I'll ask is, what is it that you normally drink? Mm. And, you know, they'll answer it and I'll say, you know, well, I can tell you now we're going to try some of these different things that might challenge that. Um, and so we're, you know, we're getting into the worlds of sours, imperials, lambics, farmhouse, you know, even as the things as, you know, the, the subtle differences between the various IPA styles, you know, it's yeah. getting people to think about about what they are. Um, so that's that started um, towards mid last year, mid mid to late last year, which I'm running once a month. Um, and then this year I've added two two more tours. Um, <laughs> so coming in May, um, it's going to run once a month for between May and September. Is a dedicated cider tour. Um, nice. So I've got a friend of mine. Um, a chap called David Dixon. He uh, he was actually the organizer for Leeds Camera Beer Festival for 25 years. Mm. Um, pretty passionate about cider. Um, he just this week became a qualified pommelier. So congratulations, David. Nice. Um, and he's going to run a cider tour. It's going to be very similar to the to Leeds Craft Beer Tour. Mm. Um, but obviously, we're focusing. In, he's going to focus much more on cider. And it's interesting when I talk to people about the cider and, and trying to try to challenge their perceptions about that because you know you get a lot of face pulling. Yeah, like oh, it can be you know, it can be pretty dry. It can it can be pretty you know, tart, whatever. And it's like, well, actually, if you come on the if you come on the toil, you'll see yeah. how cider is in the early stages of the evolution that that beer was 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, and actually, there's a lot of styles there that will one hundred percent challenge your perception on what cider mm. is. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then the last twelve I've started, all those three all include beers in as part of the part of the tour ticket. And then the final tour that I'm doing is actually just a walking tour. Um, and that's a walking tour around visiting locations in Leeds City Centre where breweries used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's running every every Saturday morning. Um, it's about an hour and a half tour, and it's basically telling a, telling a little bit of the story. That there is some crossover with the Heritage Tour, but not a massive amount. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of opening up to those people who might not be bothered about the beers. If there's mm-hmm. younger people, perhaps who are interested in Victorian history specifically, they'll probably yeah, find yeah. this talk quite quite interesting as well. So, so yeah. yes, so yeah. that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, it's a nice broad selection of what you've got. Because like you say, although that beer is the mainstay or cider of the one coming up, is that not everybody might want to stop and drink along yep. the way, might they? And there's quite a lot exactly. of other cities where you do get these historical tours and walks and things that, you know it's an experience and there's there's definitely information in there that's worthwhile you know it's not just all about just drinking beer which you know as as as, as great as the one as um as we did is it's you know you're spending yeah. more as much time drinking rather than seeing places like you so it's kind of one or the other in a lot of a lot of senses so it's it's great that there's the option there and and certainly i can attest to the the, the, the craft beer tour that we went on that it's definitely recommended because i've not been to the new brew york site yet because obviously granted it is just open it was shut over christmas yeah. last year with, with covid and what have you um and friends of ham you know ashamedly never been to friends of ham before which you know they've yeah, been so yeah. close to leeds is just is, is ridiculous <laughs> really but that just goes to show is the breadth of places and options that we have in leeds city center you know in and around leeds like you say there's 30 breweries a lot of them with their own tap rooms and places to go but there's so many bars in Leeds City Centre as it is and pubs to go in Leeds City Centre. There's so much beer in around Leeds. It, it's ridiculous. And it's no wonder that people look on at Leeds with such envy in terms of, well, I have to go so far to get to my local brewery or tap room or pub or what have yeah. you. And you just point yourself in Leeds City Centre and you've got, you know, a myriad of places to go within, you know, a 15 minute walk of pretty much anywhere, aren't you? It's mad. It's, you know, Leeds as a city, it's actually a very small city centre. Mm. And I don't and you do, I don't think you really realise that until you've lived here for a while and then you go visit somewhere like Liverpool or Manchester. Mm. And you get into Manchester Piccadilly and you think, oh, I'll I'll um I'll go to wherever. And it's actually about half an hour to get across city centre. Yeah. It's like, why why is it taking me this long when in mm. Leeds I'm I'm one end to other in, in about 20 minutes so yeah, yeah. so yeah there's there is a lot going on in Leeds which is which is terrific. Yeah. Um and actually as for the craft beer talk. You know that always continues to evolve as well, and you know you mentioned about having having so many different venues in Leeds City Centre. Mm. The the route does I have got in mind rotating the route, um, so you know inviting new venues on board mm-hmm. so I can support as much of the local industry as I can because that's, yeah. that's that's quite important to me as well. Yeah, no, it's it's great, and and like you say, when when you've got so many that are available to you, I'm sure that you won't you won't struggle for places to. To, to go to you know it's just it's great that yeah. the route that you had starting at the matter can sort of work in your way back in town um but you know you've got the likes of your north bar you've got assembly underground you've got north who have got their tap room there just just to name but a couple like you say brew dog if you want yeah. to put it at one point in time anyway there is brew dog but yeah. probably probably not so much now <laughs> but you know at one point in time sort of the, just that route back into town there were there's so many places that you could go and 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 do and see and it's like you say, just to keep supporting different places after so long to change it up a little bit, it'd be, it'd be yeah. great. And even if you've been on one, just to go on another one, given that there's different places, it's not something that you can say, I've been on and I've done it. If you change the venues, the tour becomes completely new to even people that have been on it previously. So it, it kind That's of, exactly. yeah. you know, it's great for people to come again. So we'll come back on it again when it's somewhere new and, and, and it's great. And 
and, and like I say, we, even for, for Anna, who, who, who is currently pregnant, so she couldn't drink, but even doesn't really have a great interest in beer. You know, it's yeah. great that she can come and, and get a drink and have a, and have a good day out as well. So it's not just a, all about drinking beer. It's very inclusive in terms of welcoming other people who yeah. might not be as interested in beer. I think, the, I think the important thing about the tours is actually the, the beer part of it is almost secondary. Mm. Um, you know, certainly with the Heritage Tour, uh, I, I, you know, we I, I focus a lot on the history, sharing the stories. Mm-hmm. In every venue, half a pint of beer for everybody, but I'll only briefly touch about, you know, what that beer is, mm-hmm. and then we'll carry on with the rest of the tour. So it's, it's almost like a, a bolt-on yeah. to the tour. Um, and, yeah, so you're right, I mean, quite when everything we're kicking off around, um, the stories that were going around about McKellar and Brewdog and, and all those other breweries um, last year, I kind of like think, I was kind of thinking, well, I kind of want to introduce a code of conduct into into these beer tours and make, that lets people know that they're welcome. Um, yeah, yeah. The less other people that know if they ever read it, who who might not be on a tour, who are encounters, that, that they're also going to be tra- treated with respect as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of and I've used that as a model for, for how we do the tours. You know, I want, I want people to make. People, I want people to feel as comfortable as possible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, we've had, we've, um, you know, we've, I've had stag do's on. Um, generally, most of them have been fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I make a point of, you know, look and look at the code of conduct because otherwise, you, you know, you're going to spoil it for yourselves. You're mm. going to spoil it for other people. And that's not what that tour's about. No, no, um, no. You know, it's pretty important to me that the reputation for, for these beer tours is, is good. Yeah, no, 100%. And like yeah. you say, it's the idea is that you're there to have fun, but it's not just a, it's not just yeah. a, a piss up, is it? You know what I mean? Where you can just get exactly, rowdy yeah. and just lads, 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 or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the yeah. that defeats the purpose of the the entire the entire day and setup, doesn't it? So it's you now, like you say, you need to have these things in place because although you know for protection of yourself and other people that are on there. Because like you say, it might be they might be on it for a stag do, but there might be like me and Anna on it, for example, or somebody else that might be on it who's bought it as a present for whomever that they don't want to be involved in that. So no, you've you've got to look after yourself and other people and. And the fact that it is so welcoming to to people of all technical knowledge, understanding, you know, drinking habits or what have you, it, it's great that that is that is open to to everybody. Um, yeah. But in in your experience, Mike, in terms of people that come on the tours, obviously from me, I've I've grown up in and around Leeds for mm. all, all my life. I've been I've been in and around Leeds. But do you find that it's a, a nice mixture of both people like myself that are from in around Leeds that come on the tour as well as people that are from outside Leeds or do you find it's one more one or the other or what what's the what's the mixture of people that usually come on these tours um so I would say 90% is domestic and that's UK domestic mm. um maybe it's it's about a 50-50 split between Leeds and the rest of the rest of the UK, which mm. is which is great. So yeah, I always ask the ask the question at the start of the tour, each tour, you know, how well do you know Leeds? How well do you know beer? Yeah. Um, and then you kind of tailor it to the group that you that you that you're with. So for, you know, if, if I've got a group who are all from Leeds, for example, I can go really granular into the detail because they they will know and understand, you know, being from the city. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll appreciate some of the stuff. Whereas if it's someone from down south who's just visiting Leeds for the first time on a weekend, I'm not going to go into that level of detail because I'll just get just get lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, the interesting ones are so 90% domestic. I'd say about 10% is international. Okay. Um, and I think that is. That is still skewed at the moment by the pandemic and whatever travel restrictions are in place mm. and whatever other countries' guidance may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but international groups are, are definitely really interesting. Um, Americans and Canadians absolutely lap up the heritage tour. Mm. Um, you know, Americans in particular, you tell them that 
White Locks is older than the United States of America, and, and they're like, wow, you know, that's that's that's, that's a really interesting fact for those guys. Yeah, um, uh, quite a lot of Scandinavians as well. Um, so as you probably know, Leeds United has got quite a quite a big Scandinavian following. Mm-hmm. So I have sometimes I have large groups of Scandinavians who are coming over to watch a Leeds game at home, and they might come on. Usually the Heritage Tour actually, um, they'll come on on the on the weekend. And for luckily for them on the Heritage Tour, we walk past um, Salem Chapel, which is the birthplace of Leeds United, and then we also walk mm. past the um, big mural of um, Calvin Phillips and the big mural of. Um, Pablo Hernandez as well. Yeah. So that always wows. That, that keeps the Scandinavians happy. I'm pretty certain <laughs> I could just give them some beer and show them some of them murals. Just be just, just, just be happy with the, with the tour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah, I am excited to see what summer will bring because I, mm. I know restrictions are starting. You know, our own restrictions have pretty much disappeared. No other countries are starting to wind down those things. So I'm pretty excited mm. to see see what that will bring. I think overall, I've had people from Scandinavia, America, Canada. South Africa, um, Australia, uh, China as well. Um, mm. So there's, you know, you know, the, the potential is there. Yeah. Um, but then again, we're also we're also sat in a situation where th- other things are going across on your in Europe at the moment. I don't know, don't know how much that's going to impact travel to mm. to to the continent at the moment. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's just when when you think you're out of the woods with one thing of a global pandemic, then boom. There you go. There's another another issue entirely to, to contest with. And yeah. it's, it's unfortunate that we're having to ask these sort of questions and have them, what's it going to be like in six months' time? Because you just yeah, you just don't know, do you? It's no, you no it's, it's frustrating. I mean, although I've been running the tours for three years, it's only it's only been full time since summer last year. So I'm I'm still the, the tours are still in their infancy. Mm. Um I don't I'll have, have a lot of back data to understand, you know, what sales would be like over the course of a year. Mm. Um January was quiet, as I'm sure you can imagine would be, because yep. it just is for tourism as well as it is yep. for hospitality. Um, February was actually my second best trading month since since starting the tours wow. last summer. So it was it was amazing. Uh, and then they come into this month and it's like it has really slowed down. And you know, mm. it's that it's that uncertainness as a small business owner as to yeah. what, when is this going to pick up? Is this going to pick up? You know, it's, mm. it's it's a constant worry and it's not just for me, it's for it's for everyone else across tourism and hospitality as well. Yeah, well that's it and it, it's been the same way since even from April when, last year when things opened yeah. back up again isn't it? You know, it just massive peaks but then massive troughs of one weekend it's busy, next weekend it's quiet, next weekend it's busy, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it or understanding and you look no, at no. other places and there was some sort of comfort in sort of a lot of places together were experiencing it being quiet. But then, you know, you look at yeah. you know, us at the shop this weekend, it was it was a good weekend, but a bit quieter than we expected. Then like a market horse, with, he had his busiest Friday ever, you know, and then it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's weird. And I was speaking to Aaron at Quirky in, in Garfield, outskirts of Leeds. They had a relatively quiet weekend. So again, it's just, it's hard to sort of gauge how these things are. And, you know, we had Casford yeah. playing at home on Sunday so and even they didn't seem to have many people coming out for that, but then they had ten thousand people there. So it's like, well, maybe they just chose to go. You know, it's where were they all? It's, it's it is, weird. Yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre. I'm I'm being I'm running the tours and, and visiting so many different venues. I, I I've seen the evolution of that over the course of the last eight eight mm. to ten months as well. Um, you know, right at the start of everything opening up and just as consumers are starting to get a little bit more confidence. But you, you know, you're even out on a Saturday afternoon and Leeds City Centre was absolutely heaving with shoppers. Um, you know, at that point, some of the shops were operating one in one out systems. Brigitte was was really was really really vibrant. The main shopping street in Leeds. Mm. And they go in some of the pubs and it's like, why? Where is it already? Yeah. You know, and and for a, for a lengthy period, the only place that was 
continually busy was White Locks. Mm. You know, White Swan, which is just at the top of the street. I'd walk in on a Saturday afternoon and there'd be like four or five people there. I mean, the good news is that, that when I'm going in now, it's it's obviously a lot busier everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's just been interesting to, to see that evolution. It's, it's, it's really, really weird. Mm. Well, this is it. It's interesting that people have, like you say, they get the confidence to go back out again and the confidence yeah. to go back out shopping, but then they've not quite got the confidence to go back in a pub or a restaurant or, or a bar or what have you. It's interesting that people are sort of having selective sort of confidence in in where they go and for me it's a yeah you know for a, a quite you know a pub that probably would restrict numbers and limit numbers to be sensible i'd much sooner go in somewhere like that sensible than chuck myself in primark or tk max or wherever that's absolutely rammed and not monitoring any sort of numbers or distancing or spacing or what have you it's yeah yeah it's it's weird it, it's been very interesting but thankfully well thankfully obviously we are coming to the end of it obviously it's not gone away but hopefully no we're at the the correct end of it now as it's settling down and and sort of the severity of it is lessening and people do keep getting more and more confident with with going out and i'm sure they will do when the fair weather comes as we're sort of moving into that is also yeah i mean that is definitely something you need to consider running a tourism business i mean mm. and obviously it crosses hospitality as well but but yeah tourism business I'm you know I, I, because it was a bit of an unknown I thought well I'll, I'm I'm going to run tours through December mm. um up to halfway through December last year and I'll run tours from halfway through January just to see what happens yeah um and again that were a bit of a mishmash um but I'm, and I know February March is going to be and April probably is going to be a fairly quiet time and if is this is a quiet time then it really bodes well for, for what the summer season is going to be like mm. but then again because I don't have any information really to, to work on prior data or something like that. It's like, I'm, it's still in the lap of the gods, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it might turn out the last month was my second best month. It might be my best month this year. I just, I just don't know. I yeah. just don't know. So no, I will continue, uh, I will continue walking this path and see, see where we get to. So all, all anyone's yeah. been able to do for the last uh, well, exactly, 24 yeah. months, <laughs> didn't it, mate? Just, just keep going and see what happens and, and fingers crossed. Yeah. And I'm sure it will do, like you say, as, as, as the fair weather comes along and, tourism sort of hopefully becomes more you know more seasonal and people are able to travel and hopefully come from you know europe and places like that subject to travel restrictions or whatever goes on like you're saying i'm sure it i'm sure it will do so fingers crossed it 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 picks up very very soon um but one of the things that we were going to touch on was um Mm. your involvement with camera mic which obviously you've you've obviously touched up on that a little bit in terms of your involvement in terms of you're involved with you stepped away and obviously you are still relatively involved with camera and sort of because you still yeah. you still are the the chair of, of Leeds camera now is am I right in saying that yes so when I so when I stepped back I actually cancelled my camera membership as well so I wasn't I wasn't a member for for a period of time um and then was it a year about a year ago um I decided I was looking again looking in outside in at what were going yeah. on and you know, they were, they were, we were in lockdown at that point and there wasn't a lot of activity that I could see that was going on with, with Leeds Camera. Um, to be honest, at that point, I'd also been doing a bit of campaigning work with um, with CBA, Society of Independent Brewers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was around um, helping lift some restrictions like pavement licenses for venues and stuff like yeah. that. And that was really successful. I'm pretty proud of that achievement. And I kind of whetted the appetite then to get back involved in, in campaigning. And mm. as much as I can... I can do as much as I can as an independent business owner and and do the right things, but actually you need to be part of a of a louder voice to, yeah. to really make an impact. And, I, and I'm there looking at Leeds camera outside in, and I'm thinking, 
I'm a bit worried about the branch here because there's not a lot. There's not a lot going on. When I left, it was in a, you know, it was in a great position, and I understand that there's been a pandemic and there's a nervousness about restarting activities. There were some camera controls around that in place as well, so you couldn't have in-person meetings or socials for a good while after after restrictions were lifted. Mm. Um, and I thought I'm going to get back involved again. <laughs> I'm going to get back involved again. But I, I decided at that moment that. I'm not going to let camera national policies influence or influence my view. My focus is going to be on Leeds camera and what Leeds camera can do mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a campaigning arm of camera, but supporting what is an industry that's been completely beleaguered over the last few years. You know, what's happened to brewers, what, what's gone on with the hospitality business that have been affected by as well. You know, there's something that we can do as a branch, regardless yeah. what camera HQ is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I got, I got elected as chair pretty much straight away. Um, I think the, the the outgoing chair, he, he will probably admit himself, he was he was a reluctant chair. Mm. Um, he kind of sat in the position because no one else really wanted to. Um, and so, when I came back, he was he was quite easy. He was quite willing to to cede cede the chair to me. So take it, please. So that take was it. fine. Yeah. yeah, please take <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I've I've kind of like worked with with these Cameron you know quite a lot of things and one of those was after after i'd built the code of conduct for leeds beer tours it's like right we need this for leeds camera as well you know i think i think everybody is probably aware of some of the stigmas that have been attached to camera over the years um and we kind of sat down and, and i thought well what you know be honest we're, we're still predominantly male and pale um at leeds, you know on the leeds camera committee but i think we we're intelligent enough to understand our own experiences with things that have happened at events that you know previously we've we've not really had um or felt empowered to do anything about um yeah. and you know there were some some examples um at leeds camera beer festival for you know, as an example where if, if this was a while ago but it um my partner katie who owns nomadic beer she was also involved in in you know, organizing the beer festival. She rocked up mm-hmm. um, for beer festival setup day, and she was basically told she couldn't use the power tools by other volunteers. Um, with this, you know, with the insinuation that it's because she's female. Mm. Um, and you know, there were there were people who witnessed that but didn't feel empowered to do anything about it. And so, quite early on, I wanted to put something in place that would empower the branch committee to do things if two things if they saw it. Um, and now we've got like a set procedure in place. You know things that we'll do, and then we'll also pass them on to, to Camera HQ if it's you know if it's a much more, or if it's a, a serious event. So, yeah. so yeah, and then from there it's, we're kind of like building out branch and making it for the future. I think you know for us, certainly for me, going back to Leeds Camera and, and certainly having a period of time off, but also Leeds Camera not doing any activity for for the best part of eighteen months, two years, you kind of presented with a blank canvas. Yeah. Um, and I've and I've and I've gone into that with with that attitude in in terms of the stuff that we're doing. You know what we've done before isn't necessarily going to work again. Mm. Um, you know Leeds as a, as a beer city, it's a thriving craft beer city, and you know for all the will in the world, you know Canberra needs to modernise with that as well. You know we one of the one of the things I'll mention is you know Leeds Leeds Camera Beer Festival that ran ran successfully on the outskirts of, of Leeds for for the best, best part of twenty years. Um, but numbers started to dwindle. Mm. And then before the pandemic, for the two sessions that were run before the pandemic, two festivals run before the pandemic, we we moved them to the city centre. 
And I'll be frank, they bombed. They absolutely bombed. You know, with mm. all the marketing and advertising in the world and, you know, word of mouth and whatever, it just failed. And I think the honest, the honest assessment is that is there a place for a beer festival in Leeds City Centre? Obviously, Leeds International is something completely different, but, you know, a cask beer festival in Leeds City Centre, when in actual fact, you can go to somewhere like the Duck and Drake and there's 15 cask ales available there mm. every day. Yeah. There's vocation, um, you know, assembly underground. There's 50 taps available yeah. every day in there. Why are people, what is it that Leeds Camera Beer Festival can offer that Leeds City Centre can't? can't every day mm. um so you know it's, it's you know it's questioning things like that about what yeah, we yeah. used to do and um and what we what we're going to change going forward yeah well this is it and and things have got to change with time as things as people's habits yeah. change and what they want to drink and and what is available because like you say there's we've had this conversation before is that what what is the point of beer festivals in many respects like you say when you can go to mm-hmm. leeds as a city center as example manchester york wherever and get such a broad selection of beers on any weekend you know there's no there's no usp there's no hook to that because like you say you mm. could just go do that anytime of your own free will and you don't have to pay tickets and blah 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 and it's just you just go to a pub or wherever yeah and you, you've got to change and adapt and and like you say that just cask alone probably is not enough to entice people anymore you're probably gonna have to have that mix of cask keg craft and real ale probably street food cider whatever it is and yeah. encompass a lot more to it beyond well it's a real ale festival that's just gonna have 30 casks on and it's like well yeah but some of them you probably can go get anywhere else anyway you know they might be serving them in in city center of another place anyway and it's good in many respects that in, in any respect really that camera is looking at, at being more welcoming and and sort of being yeah. a, a, a more welcoming space and obviously i've not been involved with the beer scene for for many many years but this year was the first time that i joined camera in terms of paying for a membership and getting involved because it has just like you say had that stigma of been as a broad sweeping statement white mm. men shorts and sandals white socks drinking you know cask beer in pubs and no you're not coming in and you can't do this and you can't do that and and like Katie's experience there is women aren't welcome and and it was like the first time that I went to the my local branch meeting at Wakefield is that I asked if you know Anna could come as a non-member because she's not a member of camera because like I said her, her interest is is not in beer but we were coming back from mm. somewhere so she was driving which meant I could have a drink and they said yes but even back in my mind it's like well will will they let her come in as a non-member and as as yeah. as it sounds as a woman do you know what I mean it sounds ridiculous to even it does, think yeah. it or suggest it but it crossed my mind and it's those sort of questions shouldn't shouldn't even be a thing in this day and age should they no, I shouldn't. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's good that the Cameron National are addressing these these questions, and the, you know, I know they've had quite a few um, video sessions um, where they've invited branch members to, you know, to have their say. Um, I think, I think every every branch is slightly different in camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the demographics are different. The people who are running the branches and how they run the branches are different. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, that some of the branches are in a, in a different position to where to where Leeds is. I think, you know, a knock on effect of us being able to run a branch in such a vibrant, vibrant modern um, city as Leeds, which is which is incredibly diverse, mm. means that we've got people involved in the branch that are in the mindset that we need to need to make sure that we can involve as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, whereas you know some of the other branches that n- not necessarily exposed to the environment, it's a it's a bit more it's a bit more of a journey for them. Mm. Um, and I'm quite looking forward to seeing the output of this. I, I have to be honest, because 
it's not. It's, I'm not entirely clear what is the output of this from from, yeah. from a camera yeah, yeah. HQ. You know, they're taking a lot of input from people. Um, I filled in the survey. Um, with you know, sharing some of the experiences that I think you know, all the will in the world, camera HQ is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got all they've got to get all the branches to go on that journey with them. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the grassroots. It's the grassroots that, that need to that need to evolve with mm. with with the HQ. So you know all the policies and everything at HQ. It, it, absolutely, the branches need to be involved in that. And uh, and I hope they are. From what I understand, there's you know there's quite a lot of um, openness about what's been going on. Yeah. Um, which is good. So we'll we'll see how we'll see how that evolves. And certainly, camera is doing the right thing. Yeah. It needs to be seen to be moving forward and evolving. Yeah, um, and I hope that carries on. No, fingers crossed, mate. And obviously, the 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 big sort of questionnaire and research that they're running at the moment has has definitely sort of shocked a lot of people and surprised a lot of people in terms of camera being open a to doing it and b the responses that people are putting forward. You know, people are filling out the questionnaire and the survey, but then people have come out since a lot like the issues have been brought to light with Brewdog and McKellar, etc. People have been sharing their experiences on social media and things, and it. The more that people can do that and the better the space can be, then obviously the, the better the industry is as a whole. But then you see the flip side of people sort of coming out by saying, well, you know, this is ridiculous and I'm going to give my membership, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, well, fine, because they're the people that that you don't want involved in it anyway. You know, they're the people that have got the prejudices prejudices and you know the gatekeeping and well, I don't want people coming in and this is my sort of local camera branch and my local pub and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't that's exactly what people are trying to prevent and if that means you're going to cancel your membership then fine go you know go find somewhere else to to spout spout your nonsense because it's just you know nobody wants to go anywhere and feel prejudiced and and even not being in a minority it's even going into a local camera branch or pub or whatever you don't want to be looked at and scrutinized when you walk through the door just based on your appearance do you know what i mean and no exactly regards of who you are and whatever you you know what background you come from you shouldn't feel uncomfortable remember what i said at the start of the craft beer tour when i did the um when i do the how to taste beer professionally mm. and it's don't judge with your eyes and that and that, yeah. that, that applies to ev- absolutely everything absolutely mm-hmm. actually it just it, uh, not really a discrimination thing but uh, it reminded me of a story when i had my first stint as, as camera chairman and mm. there were quite a lot of um there were quite a lot of members still some of them are quite passionate about the discounts that they would receive in pubs yeah um and there was this one chap and he wrote to me he wrote to me an email and he's saying excellent news i've managed to go into a pub and they're now going to give us a discount and blah 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 and i'm like why are you doing that and, mm. and he thought you know why you I'm, I'm some kind of hero that i've managed to negotiate a, a, a discount for camera and i'm like a discount is not something that we should be expecting or requesting. It's something that you know is um, is a is a benefit, but it's completely up to the venues to, mm. to be able to do that. Um, and I think you were I think you were a little bit put out by that. Um, but we, we we did we did clear the air somewhat, and and I think he saw he saw my way. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think the thing is what what people need to remember, and all camera members need to, to remember this. And this is how I deliver the code of conduct at the start of branch meetings: is that whenever you are using the name camera, or you are at a camera event, be it as a guest or a volunteer, you are representative of camera, mm-hmm. or you are representative of, of that branch of camera. And whatever comes out of your mouth, or whatever actions you take, is is the reputation of camera right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even got to the point where I'm saying, and I include 
moaning about the price of beer about this mm. because that's that's an old I get that beer is expensive at the moment but you know I'll say don't be whinging to the pub staff mm. in fact don't even be whinging to the pub owners get involved in cameras campaigns because mm. it's it, the problem sits much higher than than yeah, the pub. yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well this is it and and that is again the stigma of a part of Cameron, obviously, cast beer is that cast beer is expected to be cheap. You know, it should be this cheap product that, you know, you shouldn't expect to pay as much as keg for. But I, I've I've sort of come to realisation that, the, you know, keg prices are quite inflated and cask is quite deflated. But they need to kind of meet in the middle somewhere of, well, keg doesn't need to be as expensive and cask probably could. You know, people that are willing to pay for good cask beer would probably pay more for it. Obviously, granted, there's outliers, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. Is that you know when when you join Camry, you get the sheet of discount vouchers. That that's just been chucked on a pile of paper somewhere. I've got no interest whatsoever in getting a discount because that just no. for me that belittles the point of me joining Camry in the first place. You know, I should I should um, expect to get a discount on beer that is already probably cheaper than it should be. When breweries and pubs are struggling, I shouldn't walk in and expect and have the the cheek to say, "Well, do I get a discount?" Well, no, of course yeah, exactly. you don't. Why should you? Um, and, and actually, I think camera has, has that's damaged camera over the years. So you mm. know, the, you know, the, it's the biggest consumer group in in Britain, um, which is amazing. It's got a very loud voice, but you know, how many of this? What is it? Around circa one hundred and fifty thousand people. How many of those are actually active campaigners on behalf of beer? Mm. And how many actually just join cameras because you get discounts at beer festivals? You get you get vouchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? If they want, if they join cameras as a beer club, then then that is fine. Mm. But you know, camera need to understand that that is that is what they have established, um, and then it becomes quite difficult to to campaign on on stuff. And it's interesting you mentioned about the the, the price of cask beer because I want to say I want to call it the consumerism of cask beer, um, mm. and I think the book stops with people like Weatherspoons on this. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, it's driving. You know, for me, cask ale is a premium product. It is something unique unique to this country, as is the pub. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, after Brexit and what have you, you know, we're in a position where we've we've got a couple of unique selling points to get tourism into the country to do this. Um, and you've got the likes of Weatherspoons who are still dishing out cask ale as essentially their lost leader. You know, mm. for one pound fifty, two pound a pint, stick on your voucher is one pound fifty. Mm. And then that same beer is is difficult to to then say to consumers that same beer is going to cost you five pounds in another pub. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's, and that, and that, you know, it's this artificial now expectation of what cask beer pricing should be, mm-hmm. um, and it does, and it does damage the industry. You know, I think even be, even even before the pandemic, cask beer was was in decline, anyway. Yeah, and I think since the pandemic, it's dropped twenty percent. Mm. Um, just you know, con- bars confidence in in having it on, on their bars, and you know, brewers confidence in being able to brew it again, and knowing that it'll sell, and we're not going to face a lockdown again, and. Mm-hmm. You know, keg keeps forever essentially, but you know, cask is always going to be this. So what I really want to see is, you know, people like people like Cameron, you know, Seba and the government work together to and I'll be campaigning for this as well, to to really give a fair deal for pubs and cask ale, you know, mm-hmm. because these are two things that are really unique to, to our country. Let's use them to sell the country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And yeah. and there's there's loads of points in there that it deters people from coming and, and from serving cask. Like you say, the 
the yeah. short shelf life on it. Once you've tapped it, you've got what three days, four days at absolute most. If you don't sell it, then it goes yeah. down the drain because otherwise it's just going to turn and you can't sell a product that's not at its best. Because ultimately, yeah. if that that pub sells that beer and it's not at its best, it's not the pub that suffers; it's the brewery, because the the consumer mm. will then be like, "Well, I'm not buying a beer from them again because it were horrible." And the, the pub's yeah. almost immune to it. You know, it's not the fact that they have not kept it right because there's the, you know, the storage of it, the tapping, the venting, the conditioning, you know, all that stuff that the pub has to do to make sure that beer is served in, you know, perfect condition. Whereas kegs, like you say, obviously you have to keep them cool, but yeah, just stick them on, you know. And like you say, if they're, if they're chilled at the correct temperature, you just practically stick them on and that's fine. But cask is such a, you know, unique product. And like you say, when, when people come from America and Canada and other places, especially for, for like a hop city and festivals, they absolutely, yeah. love, they absolutely love cask beer. They absolutely, you know, they, they sit there and drink cask beer all day and they're coming from America where they're making all this yeah. oppy, easy, incredible beer. And they just want to sit and drink like a Timmy Taylor Landlord. And it's... Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. But if we don't, you know, if we don't keep it and cherish it, which, you know, early drinking days, I, I was guilty of and kind of dismissed it, but that was until I got involved with this world and now I'm sort of more attuned to it. And I think the quality and availability of cask beer has got a lot better in recent years yeah if we're not careful like you say then it will you know it very very will quickly disappear and there was sort of almost a glimmer of hope with the you know the reform in in beer duty and stuff but that only came in to protect the big brewers not the little brewers again you know the mm. you know the the small brewers relief you know obviously there's still some relief there but then they're protecting the massive brewers who can make massive barrels of it and and just keep their pockets lined and it is like you say, it when you boil it down, it is part of tourism and it is part of our history and heritage that we can really champion and and make much more of a, a song and dance about than than we really really do and should do. Yeah, definitely, and and actually, I, I do get that there's an issue around um, alcohol abuse and stuff like that, yeah, and 100%. you know the campaigning groups that are, that are campaigning against it. But you know, for me, I look at it this way: a pub is a supervised environment for people to enjoy alcohol. Um, mm. And so if we protect that environment and we protect the products that are, that are being sold in there, especially Cascale, you know, it can be vibrant and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what, that's what I really want to see. That's what I really want to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the numbers are, the numbers are still not going in the right direction, are they? So we'll, no, 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 we'll this... carry on campaigning. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and hopefully as we, as I said, with much like your, your tours and, and obviously the, the pubs and bars in Leeds city center, hopefully as, as the summer comes along and the better weather comes along, the confidence comes yeah. back and and you know places are turning over beer quite quite quickly and they are able to put a cask line on or two cask lines on or however many go back to a full lineup because obviously they couldn't join during the pandemic mm-hmm. so obviously you know that's kind of almost been the the cherry on top in a lot of respects to to sink a lot of places and stop them making it you know and it's yeah yeah and hopefully that that will that will turn and and places will start being able to to really champion it and and showcase it again but yeah it's just like we said earlier it's just a case of we just have to you know wait and see beyond you know campaigning and and doing the job that we can do but beyond that it's just it's just waiting and seeing in a lot of respects isn't it unfortunately so it is um i mean i mean it's one for one surefire sign that things are definitely picking up though is uh, i barely see katie anymore so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. for example today busy. You know, that we went through a period of you know she'd only need to go to the brewery once a week and then she could do the rest of admin at home mm. um you know, she's been a couple. She'll be in Sheffield. She's in Sheffield today doing the International Women's Day um, brew with Heist. 
Um, she's off to Brew London in a couple of months' time, you know. So, so you know, the things for Nomadic are certainly picking up, and you can see that. You definitely see that when I'm walking around the pub as well. Things mm. are picking up. Yeah, yeah. We just need that level of support, you know, because unfortunately the cost of living is still going up. Yeah. Uh, the cost of business is still going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the things, you know, read. It was it was a bit of a shock headline, so you take it with a with a pinch of salt. But the, the headline about the ten pound a pint um, in five years' time, if if things don't slow down, I mean, mm. granted that was central London. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did have a bit of a wry smile actually because they they went through the different cities and the, <laughs> the average price of Cascale that they put in Leeds today was three pounds sixty three. I'm like, where on earth are they? Where on earth have they surveyed to get these figures? Because mm. I'm I'm looking around and I'm seeing upwards of five pounds everywhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mad one, but yeah, yeah, it depends depends where they're looking and like you say, but it, it it's one of them. It's kind of a shock headline, but you could quite easily pay like eight nine quid a pint for some rubbish in Leeds City Centre or London now anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's not it's do. not surprising or shocking. You know, it's, no, it's not. You can you can if you get in pro. I always use pro, the Peroni example. If you go to Leeds, we have people come into our place and say, "Well, that's expensive for a pint." You know, it's it might be six pounds, seven, whatever. It's like yeah, but you might pay that for a pint of Peroni in Leeds City Centre. More if you yeah, go to yeah. London, Manchester, wherever it's like that. You know that's the that's the gauge from bearing for me. If, and, and in theory, it should be more expensive than that. Do you know what I mean? It should be more yeah, expensive yeah. than the likes of Peroni and what have you. But if people are willing to pay that for something that's mass produced and not of equal quality, then sure they should yeah. be willing to pay that or more for something that is of higher quality, locally produced, locally sourced, etc. And it's all this, you know, not everyone's going to be converted to it. I get that. Not everyone can no, enjoy yeah. this stuff and afford it. But it's, like you said earlier, it's a premium product at the end of the day. And obviously the cost of living and things are going up. But it's a premium product at the end of the day. And people will have to be, if they want it, will be having, or yeah, be willing exactly. to pay for it. And that's, yeah, that's exactly. the only way it's going to go. It's never going to get cheaper. You know, like anything no. in this world, no, <laughs> nothing gets cheaper, unfortunately. No. Ever. You know, it's just, it's just the way of the world, sadly. And and beer's not immune to, as we said, you no. know, increases in duty and, and VAT and things like that. It's just, it's a, it's a revolving door. We all need a whacking great pair eyes. That's what, that's what needs to yeah, happen. That'd, that'd be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? But again, that never happens, does it? Everything else gets more expensive, but wages don't go up. And, it, you yeah. know, there's national living on minimum wage or what have you. It's like, yeah, but you're all right saying that, but everything else is doubling yeah. and tripling in price. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. But yeah, when we're, when we're sat shivering at home because we can't afford eating, but we're still drinking beer at pub, then maybe at pub will only place well, you yeah, can go the, to keep warm. Yeah, yeah. Priorities, yeah. yeah priorities, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not going home. It's too cold at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- I think that almost pretty much covers off... Um, Many of the subjects that we, we had to talk about, Mike, I know we could sort of go down a, a slippery slope and, and probably do a lot of those subjects <laughs> even more to death than probably what we already already have done. Yeah. But um, subject to what we have discussed, obviously, with, with the way of the world and, and things like that, what does 2022 look like in terms of your... Obviously, you've said that you've got more tours coming up in terms of your cider tour yeah. and your walking tour. But obviously, from your camera involvement in terms of Leeds... Leeds Camera, the branch that you chair. What what does twenty twenty two look like in terms of provisional events and what you're looking to do for the for the rest of this year? Yeah, um, so from a Leeds Beatles point of view, I'm 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 running full swing now. So um, during the winter season, which is up until the start of May, I've got uh, five tours per week available to book, um, and I increase that to eight in the summer months so include some evenings and, and Sundays as well mm-hmm. um, so lots lots of availability for people to come on tours um, and if I leave to camera um, so I, took, I mentioned about the beer festival earlier on 
Um, we've kind of packed that as an idea completely now. Um, okay. We want to look at uh, what we can do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think the thing that, that people may not realise is that beer festivals are actually a money spinner, money generator, not just for camera national but also for local branch as well mm-hmm. you know we've as a branch we've got our own costs that we need to cover you know things like um email addresses web addresses um storage for equipment and things like that yeah. and without uh without a beer festival we we're having to get loans from headquarters and one of the things i've set out this year is i want i want us to become financially self-sufficient mm-hmm. um so some of the things to look out for leads camera we're going to look at um some really cool ticketed events that are coming up um so there's one that's going to come in May, which we haven't got the final details for yet, but it's going to be a cider cider event. Um, so May is yes. cider month for camera. Um, so we're going to do a ticketed cider event, a venue that I can't share with you yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be with our newly qualified beer sommelier, uh, <laughs> cider pommelier, mm-hmm. David Dixon, um, with uh, someone else who's in the Leeds area that, that really knows their cider. Yep. Um, then later on in the year, we're going to, um, we're going to um, celebrate Tetley's 200th anniversary um so they turned 200 in in october um so i'm as well as i'm running some stuff some cool stuff with these beer tours but these cameras going to run like a, a a quiz where there's going to be some pretty cool prizes that the tetley and carlsberg are putting putting together for us to, to give away which is nice. which is really good um and then the other one of the other things we're mainly doing for Leeds camera this year um is we're doing a metropolitan wide beer census Okay, so what we did prior to the pandemic and what we did at the end of last year is we we do a lead city centre beer census. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically, we visit a group of us, <laughs> there's, there's a group of people who are giving about four or five different pubs each, go and do a, an aisle survey. This is not nothing to do with pricing at all. Mm. Um, this is just to know what beers are on the bar, yep. um, cask beers and cider specifically, so we can kind of paint a picture of, of what has happened with cask ale and pubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time this year, we're going to tackle that set of metropolitan wide. Um, so we're going to do that in phases. We're going to we're going to do run some brand socials that will actually look at specific larger urban areas of Leeds. So, for mm-hmm. example, we did Otley um, a couple of couple of months oh, last month. We'll probably do places like Horsworth, Geisley, yep. um, Farsley, and then you know put targeted socials where one we're interacting with members hopefully it'll get new members to come along and, and get active with branch as well mm-hmm. um and then secondary to that is that we're gonna send out a form and encourage members to go visit the local pubs and fill out this form and send it back to us so by the end of the year we're gonna hopefully gonna have a full picture as to you know the, the state of cask beer in in leeds yeah yeah um and all of that is interjected with um awards socials and branch meetings and stuff like that all of which is is available through these cameras website yeah, yeah. excellent well that yeah. sense sounds like a an interesting an interesting idea but one that's probably is. a lot a lot of work behind the scenes and involved going and actually visiting these places as well and like you say if you're asking members to get involved as well then it's obviously the the reciprocal of them getting involved and hopefully that they will as it's all in the interest of everybody really isn't it like you say it's not just documenting it but it's like you say it's showcasing and highlighting the need potentially of where more support can be given or what have you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Particular areas yeah. that might be, you know, a, a blind spot for beer or whatever it might be. And, you know, it, it raises awareness, doesn't it? So it's it's all for it the does, yeah. 
the greater good, so to speak. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, for us to be able to be aware of any pubs that are struggling or, you know, pubs that have stopped selling Cascale or pubs that are interested in selling real ale, you know, stuff mm. like that, you know, we, we are first and foremost a campaigning group and I, and I want people to, I want people to know that. And, you know, if there's anything locally that is, that is of concern, you know, certainly let us know about things like that mm. and, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to joining on board any events where I can, mate, certainly. I suppose the yeah, yeah. Your leaders obviously comes out quite quite far beyond the city centre, so if there's any sort of closer, closer this way, sort of like maybe Garforth area or something like that, then yeah. I'll definitely get involved with that because that is a lot close to me. Obviously, Farsley, Geisley, Horsworth, they are a bit of a trek from where I am. They're not easily accessible by train and it's not fair yeah. to drag Anna by car every time. So I'll try, <laughs> I'll try and do do what I can where I can. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough when uh, relying on, on lifts to that side of Leeds. But the last thing to say, Mike, is beyond saying thank you for, for joining me is where can people find yeah. out more about your tours? Where can people book tours and find out more information about what, what you're offering? Um, so everything is on my website, which is www.leedsbeertours.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me on at Leeds Beer Tours. Um, and just for your listeners, there's a special offer. Um, if you use the code Points of Brew on the checkout, you'll get 10% off. Oh, excellent. Um, when booking a tour or a gift card. Excellent. Well, I'll be sure to share that far and wide when the uh, when the podcast goes live, mate. Thank you very much for doing that. And I can no thoroughly recommend joining. And the, the Heritage Tour is um, something that I'll definitely look at joining when, when we're available as well. Because that even just you explaining cool. it sounds interesting and just learning more about Tetley's and, and the pubs that are, are scattered around and things that places that I haven't explored again so just to to visit them and appreciate the, the history that we've got on our doorstep I'll definitely be, uh, be looking to book that as and as and when I'm available mate but 100% yeah, recommend the tour um, any of the tours that, that you're offering um, and certainly the side one even Anna might go to a cider one because she likes cider as well as gin. So you know, when when the little one's born, maybe uh, get her on a cider. So when uh, yeah, yeah, when we can be child free in the future, whenever that might be. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but Mike, thank you very very much for joining. Um, it's been a pleasure no speaking worries. to you and learning more about your involvement with Cameron and, and the history of how the tours came around. And I'll uh, I'll speak to you again very very soon. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Thank you very much for inviting me on, and uh, I will definitely speak to you soon. Yeah, lovely. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Welcome back, and thanks to Mike for joining me on the show. Having been on one of Mike's tours, it was great to hear more about how he decided to go full-time with the business and learn about the tours that he's bringing out in 2022 as well. Hopefully you managed to catch the code for 10% off any of his tours, and if you book on, I'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as I did. When we're able to, I'm looking forward to going on one of Mike's heritage tours, and I'd be interested on a cider one as well, to be honest. Especially when the warmer weather comes along, I do like having a cider over a beer sometimes and it'll be interesting to see what the local scene to Leeds is like and learning more about cider and the producers in and around the city. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about camera and if you have anything to add or any comments following what we discussed, please feel free to get in touch or let me know. Whilst camera is undoubtedly a great organisation, I think it's safe to say they've not always got things right but hopefully the future is looking bright for them and it becoming a more welcoming and enjoyable organisation for anybody to enjoy. Once again, thanks to Mike, and thanks to you for listening to the show. Don't forget, any positive reviews on Spotify, Apple or Google would be massively appreciated, and if you're listening, please let me know by sharing your screenshots across social media, and please do tag me in. 
it's great seeing you enjoy the show and hearing what you've got to think about it. But until next time, bye for now. <laughs>